0: This is the Get Booked Podcast, a weekly show for personalized reading recommendations. This is episode 273, and we are recording on March 16th. I'm Amanda Nelson, and I'm here with Jen Northington, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Welcome. Hello. The tree outside of my office window is budding out. Oh. And it's so soothing and nice and happy-making, like it's pink. (laughs) That is delightful. I will
1: tell you, so I just got back from my first time ever giving blood, which was... Mm. I'm excited to have finally done it. I, I, you know, I'm always getting tattoos, so you can't yeah. give blood if you've done that recently. <laughs> but I obviously have not gotten a tattoo in the past year, nope. so I could finally donate. And it is cold outside. It was so warm last week, and now it's
0: cold again. I was doing this mental exercise earlier today of like, what businesses will be the most busy like in the summer when... when- you know, as many people uh, who are going to be vaccinated have been and like everyone's out doing stuff. And I think tattoo artists are like very high on the list. Massage therapists and tattoo artists are like
1: very high. A hundred percent. I mean, that's one of the first things that I'm doing once I get vaccinated is getting (laughs) a tattoo.
0: So I got a gift certificate and everything. I got my vaccine a week ago today. So no, a week ago yesterday. So in another Yay! week, I'll be like fully cooked, you know, because I got mm-hmm. the one shot and I am going to make an appointment for a pedicure uh, immediately. <gasps> oh, <so>. Amazing. <laughs> Just fix me. It's been a year. <laughs> <laughs> All So books, how this show works. Uh, this is a show for personalized reading recommendations. That's the end of No. Um, So you can send us reading recommendation requests for yourself or your book club or, you know, for a gift or anything. You can email them to us at getbookedatbookriot.com or you can drop them in the form in the show notes on the site. We ask for your email address. Uh, if you use the form, we're going to ask for your email address because we might email you back if we're not going to get to your question in time. If your question is time sensitive in that way, then just big capital letters uh, in the first line of your request. If you're using the email, then just put it uh, time sensitive in the subject line so we can get to it on time. All right, we don't have any feedback this week, so we're going to get right to it. Jen's going to read our first question, and away we will go. Yeah, our first question is
1: from Brooke, and this is an extremely timely question. Brooke says, Texas's grid collapse and lack of water has me wondering what I'd do in this situation and wanting to be prepared. Can you recommend a good survival guide that could help a reader with few skills? We can. We can and we will. Uh, But first, let us take a sponsor break.
2: Today's episode is brought to you by Greenleaf Book Group. No summer vacation should be without a great read. And I don't know about you, but I am partial to mysteries and thrillers for my hot month reads. It's hot girl reading summer always over here. And from the award-winning librettist of Legally Blonde, the musical and the screenwriter of Freaky Friday, Heather Hawk comes the page turning psychological thriller, the trouble with drowning. So when author Eden Hart floats into Tucson's Antigone books and all her dad Puzzling Perfection, to give a reading, Kat, a struggling writer, can't help but compare herself. Thankfully, Kat's life starts to take on its own Eden-like glow when her literary future takes shape and she falls madly in love with Jacob. As demons from her past begin to surface, Kat's mental health craters, and this halcyon dream slips through her fingers. For the fastest paced slow burn you won't be able to put down, be sure to check out The Trouble with Drowning by Heather Hawk on Amazon or your retailer of choice. And thanks again to Greenleaf Book Group for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Sourcebooks Landmark. So King Solomon says something very interesting to his son before he dies and that is quote, don't let the white man take the house, end quote. These, as I just mentioned, are King Solomon's last words to his son as he dies. Now, all four Solomon siblings must return to North Carolina to save the kingdom, their ancestral home, and 200 acres of land from a development company. Told in alternating viewpoints, long after we are gone by Tara Shelton-Harris, All right, Amanda. Survival guides. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I guess I'll go first. Mine
1: is a little bit funny because Amanda's is very good. So mm-hmm. I was like, let me, let me inject a little humor into this situation because I just needed to for my brain. Uh, and so my pick is "How to Invent Everything" by Ryan North. The subtitle is a survival guide for the stranded time traveler. This is a funky little book. It is the premise of this book is that you are in a time machine. And it takes you back into the past and it breaks. So, like, how do you survive? And it's a little bit, like, novel kind of storytelling, but it's also very much about, like, yes, uh, first principles for science and engineering and art and math and civilization in general. And Ryan North is hilarious. He is, among many other things, a comic book writer who has worked on Squirrel Girl. He also very memorably got stuck in a hole in 2015 and tweeted his way out of it. Uh, I'm going to leave a link to that in the show notes because I still laugh about that whenever I remember that it happened. It was amazing. And um, yeah, he's really funny. He is very, like, science minded. And uh, I think this will be both enjoyable and educational for the person who wants to learn some survival skills, but also needs a little bit of humor involved. So that's How to Invent Everything by Ryan North.
0: All right. I picked Just in Case, How to Be Self-Sufficient When the Unexpected Happens by Kathy Harrison. And I picked this one because it is prepper light, which I think is what you're asking for. Yeah. So this is not – you know, if you go out there and just, like, a-google-in for survival manuals, what you're going to get is people who want you to Dwight Schrute in your backyard in, like, really weird, weird ways. Uh, And I think that's not what you're asking and not what most people really need. So this is a guide to what to do if, for example – Your electricity is off for several days because your town's grid has collapsed for reasons. There's like a pandemic chapter, um, fire escape, uh, you know, it's mostly natural disasters and things like that. And it's very, very practical. It's got supply lists that are totally reasonable and not about like, again, Dwight Schröding, 14 million gallons of food that you're going to never eat in like a hole in your backyard, but also like how to deal with medications you might need communicating with other members of your family if you if you're like if you don't have electricity or your you you know your phone battery is dead It's also got a chapter on pets, which I really appreciated because that's Mm. something that I think is overlooked quite often. And it is very much a shelter in place kind of situation. Like the assumption that the book is kind of operating under is that some stuff has happened in your world, but you're staying in your house, most likely. It's not like go out into the woods and survive, good son. It is like stay there and you'll be fine in a few days, which I think is the kind of disaster preparedness that most people are, are in need of. So yeah, so that's Just in Case, How to Be Self-Sufficient When the Unexpected Happens by Kathy Harrison. All right. Our next question is from Ren, who says, I've really been into historical fiction with female protagonists. I've absolutely loved the Neapolitan series, and I'm wrapping up The Lost Girls of Paris. I'd appreciate any recommendations that are in the same vein. I love stories that take place in Europe, but I'm open to books that take place in other places. Okay, Jen, what you got? I am picking
1: for you a book that I never get to recommend, so thank you for this question. It's Victoire, My Mother's Mother by Maurice Conde, and it's translated by Richard Philcox. And this is a super... Interesting book. So it's, I took you at your word when you said outside of Europe was okay for you. And this takes place in the French Antilles. And Conde's grandmother was a white skinned mestiza woman who worked as a cook for a family of white Creoles in the Antilles. And she, you know, Conde, who is, you know, Guadalupe and, and is, you know, darker, is thinking about, like, yeah, what was this woman like? What did she live through? And she basically wrote a novel reimagining what her grandmother's life was like based on the facts that she did have about it. And also like how this woman, her grandmother, raised her own mother, who is like, you know, a very militant activist type person. Uh, So it's a really interesting read. It's got a little bit of like, a thinky, dreamy feel to it. And uh, since you referenced the Neapolitan series, I feel like you're on board for like a thinky series. So that's one of the reasons I picked it for you. But this just was so fascinating, especially because this is an area of the world that I know very little about. And it seems like not that many. I just haven't seen that many books set in the Antilles, uh, personally. And so uh, I think that, yeah, you'll like learn new things. You will get absolutely sucked into, you know, this woman's story, which is very powerful. And I love the way this was written and translated. It's really fascinating. Um, Condé is an amazing writer. So, again, that's Victoire, My Mother's Mother, by Maurice Condé, translated by Richard Philcox.
0: Okay, I picked The Confessions of Franny Langton by Sarah Collins, which is a historical fiction that takes place in the the early 1800s, I think, in the UK, but also in Jamaica. And it's um, not just a work of historical fiction. It's also a murder mystery, kind of. (laughs) So when the book opens, Franny Langton is the main character, obviously. She is a formerly enslaved person who's been living in the UK in London with George Benham and his wife, Marguerite, who George Benham is a very famous scientist in London. And she, uh, Franny, has been employed as a servant in their home. And she wakes up one morning and is under arrest, covered in blood, and the employer, her employers, both the husband and wife are dead. So she is accused of the murder. She's in the whatever prison um what's the famous one it doesn't matter she's in prison and is almost certainly 100 percent, with certainty going to be hanged and so this is not a murder mystery that is like who done it because we know who did it but the question is why and also she has no recollection that she's admitting to anyway of of committing these murders and so her confession is this book. She writes it all out and because her attorney is actually trying to help her. Like her attorney is like, just because you're black, you're going to get convicted. So you need to tell me what actually happened here. And she won't do it. She won't talk. She won't say what she remembers. She won't do it. And so she writes this out to give to him kind of is like a, well, I recognize that you tried, but I'm not changing my tune here, Uh, knowing that it's going to set that she's going to end up in the gallows. And so you get her whole backstory. She was born into slavery in Jamaica and Twitter warnings for slavery. This is a brutal, brutal, brutal book. Okay. So she's born enslaved in Jamaica and ends up the man who is enslaving her is also kind of an amateur scientist. He considers himself a scientist, but it's like eugenics and just the horrible horrible stuff and she because she can read is forced to be his assistant in his like experiments that include some of the enslaved people on the plantation so she's super traumatized by all of that eventually he takes her to the uk to meet some of his science friends and leaves her with these people who she ends up employed with she gets involved in a relationship with the wife and it's the kind of relationship where uh, she gets a feeling like she's more important than this societal uh, setup would have her feel like she is, if that makes sense. Like she starts thinking maybe there's a way out of this kind of life for me because this woman loves me. Um, maybe I can find myself in a better circumstance, all of that. But then, you know, this horrible murder happens. And so you're figuring out what exactly happened on the plantation where she was born, how she ended up in Europe, and then how she ended up in jail. And it's not easy certainly it's definitely more brutal than the neapolitan series and the lost girls of paris i will say but it is so so fascinating because even you know when i started this book i was like of course she didn't do it like she's being set up because of her race she's being set up because she's not like from london you know whatever but like is she (laughs) you know she's not a uh a sympathetic Person, even though she's absolutely a sympathetic person. It's just very complicated, hashtag complicated, and so engaging and engrossing. So that's The Confessions of Franny Langton by Sarah Collins.
1: Alright. Our next question is from Kai and it's very short. It is good queer stuff, thriller, Sunday romance. So, Kai, we had a whole conversation. What is Sunday, what is Sunday romance? <laughs> what we is- I my interpretation of this is Romance that one would read on a Sunday, just like an easy breezy sort of romance. So like romantic, you know, comedies maybe. But that's just me guessing. And we Googled, right, Amanda? Like we asked around. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I asked like the host of our romance podcast, yeah. like, what is no, this?
1: <laughs> nobody knew. So if if this is a subgenre that like we have just somehow completely missed, someone please tell us. Uh, <laughs> but um, this is like a wide open question, which is perfectly fine by us. So uh, what I picked was a good queer thriller that has a romance in it. So it touches. It's definitely not like easy breezy, though. I picked The Outside by Ada Hoffman which does come with a content warning for self-harm. And this is like a sci-fi, sort of queer, Lovecraftian, uh, murdery, mystery thing. It's really interesting and really, really strange. The main character, Yasira Shien is a scientist, and she has developed this, like, fancy new energy drive that will hopefully change, you know, the future of humanity for the better. But the problem is, is that this version of, you know, the universe is ruled by sentient AI, like artificial intelligence— who are basically gods. I mean, they are referred to as gods. They are worshipped as gods. They have like angel cyborgs. It's really intense. And they don't want humanity to have fancy technology. Like they would much prefer that humanity relies on them entirely for all their tech needs and like keeps them at a level of tech advancement. And Yasira, who is like very driven, she's also autistic and she's like extremely focused. Like, she doesn't think that she's being heretical, but they decide that she is. And also something goes horribly wrong the first time they turn on the drive. And so she's basically like, well, now the gods are going to kill me. But instead, they kidnap her girlfriend and they're like, you're going to do this thing for us. We're going to send you on this weird mission to, like, hunt down this other heretic scientist. And, like, if you ever want to see your girlfriend again you know, you have to do this mission for us. And she's just like, this is the worst. Like, this is absolutely the worst. It's horrible. Um, But it's so good. It's such a page turner. Like, I was so sucked in. I was like, what is going to happen next? It's absolutely a thriller in that sense. And the world building is so interesting and strange and fresh like it's just not like anything else that I've read and I really loved the characters it is it is just yeah it's it's really good uh so again that's The Outside by Ada Hoffman
0: yeah again what is this like can you email us please yes if you hear this Kai please email us (laughs) with the definition of what you were looking for because if I know what it is I will happily recommend something in that genre but I don't know what the genre is (laughs) Okay, so I just went with good queer stuff and thriller, the like first part of that. And I picked The Dime by Kathleen Kent, which is the first book in the Betty Reizek mystery series. And this takes place in Dallas, Texas. Betty is a cop from New York, from Brooklyn, and she comes from a family of cops, like a long, you know, long line, her brother, her uncle, her dad, all cops. And so she moves to, she moves to Dallas to be with her girlfriend, who is a physician and has gotten a job in Texas. And also because her girlfriend's mother, I think is in poor health. Anyway, so they, you know, relocate and it's a big change. Texas is like definitely a character in this book. There's a whole bunch of scenes with longhorn cattle that like, what? <laughs> Texas <laughs> is a whole, it's a whole thing. Um, and so she gets there and. You know, has to be the like very tall, redheaded female police officer, the only one of any of those things, you know, on the force. And is dealing with all kinds of like being ragged on for lots of different stuff, Um, for being a woman, for being a redhead, for being Polish, like she's just a a whole enigma to, to her new co-workers. And when the book opens, she is working a drug case that goes kind of awry. And ends up being a lot more violent than she was expecting. Um, and, you know, it, it, well, I don't want to get too much. It just kind of falls apart. And then the case evolves into more and more violence. And, and she starts being stalked personally by somebody who's obviously tied to the case. And when I picked this book up, I think I've said this. I say this every time I recommend this book. But I was very prepared for, like, white lady cop. Against brown drug dealers because it takes place in Texas. And like when it opens, it is very much like a cartel kind of situation. And I, I don't know. Like, I don't know. But it goes completely the opposite direction. Like 180 from that content to something entirely different. It is not what you were expecting if that's the thing that you're expecting just looking at the cover, which I absolutely was. And the actual crime and the actual criminals are are just, it's just jaw-dropping that she takes you, that Kathleen Kent takes you down this, what feels like a very familiar, like, police procedural, brown people are the enemy, you know, kind of... Path, and then when you start to get like, oh, I see what you're doing and I'm not here for it, just turns completely left and takes you to an entirely different bananas place that I like so loved. It's a total roller coaster. So that is The Dime by Kathleen Kent. Also, her relationship with her girlfriend is amazing. Okay. Our next question is from Holly. Who says, I'm looking for recommendations for my book club. The age ranges from 15 to mid 70s. So I need recommendations that are appropriate for a younger audience, but will still keep the older members interested. Books we've already read include The Book Thief, The Joy Luck Club, Water for Elephants, The Chilbury Ladies Choir, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings, and Frankly, In Love. My group tends to prefer historical fiction, but are open to other genres. All right, Jen, what you got?
1: First of all, I want to like go to this book
2: club. What a cool to book club. Yeah,
1: that's <laughs> yes. fascinating. I mean, I have run public book clubs for bookstores. And I think the biggest age range we ever got was like 23 to maybe 55. Like, I mm. just can't. I mean, that's just amazing. So kudos to you. Okay, so my pick for you is... It's sort of, it's, it's a lot of different things. After literal years of hearing a to talk about this book, I finally read The Talented Ribkins by Lady Hubbard. And I am recommending this because I feel like there is so much here, particularly because one of the protagonists is 72 and the other one is a teenager. So like there is somebody for all of your book club members to identify with. And the story is so good. It is a road trip novel. The main character, Johnny Ribkins, who is 72, is like a like a con artist kind of dude and he's very like small time and you would think at this point in his life he's retired but he stole some money from his mobster boss and he's been given one week to come up with it and he thinks well this is not such a big deal because he's got these little stashes of money squirrelled all over the south because of course he does <laughs> i don't know he just does this is you find out why but so he's like well i just got to go drive around dig some holes and, you know, dig up my little stashes and then I'll pay off this guy and everything will be fine. He starts off in his brother's backyard. His brother is deceased and his brother's um, lady friend. I don't remember mm-hmm. that they were married, is living there with the teenage daughter, uh, so his niece, and he shows up and, like, talks himself into the backyard. He doesn't tell them why they're there because he doesn't want to give them the money uh, or have them know that he's got money buried in the backyard. And he ends up leaving with the teenager because this family has sort of... Special powers that are passed down. And the teenager, he sees the teenager exhibiting the power. And it's clear that her mom just sort of doesn't know what to do about this and feels like it's important for her to reconnect with her family. And so he, like, very reluctantly is like, Well, I guess this is what I have to do, but we're still going to go around and dig holes in the ground to get my money. So you have this, like, curmudgeonly, you know, 72 year old with his teenage niece. They've never met before. They do not know how. to talk to each other. They're driving around. And he starts telling her the history of their family. And this is a Black family. They were involved in the civil rights movement. Uh, There are all kinds of stories um, in which they were, you know, sort of helping to assist, you know, the Freedom Riders and all of these things from the sidelines or from behind the scenes rather, but it all fell apart kind of dramatically. And as he's telling the story to his niece, you sort of find out how it all happened. And it's just so good. There's so much to talk about here. The characters are fantastic. I feel like this is the perfect Book club book, especially for such a broad range of folks. Uh, so yeah, I think I think your group will really enjoy it and have a lot to dig into. So again, that's the Talented Ribkins by Lady Hubbard.
0: Cosine. I picked Jane Steele by Lindsay Fay, which is historical fiction, as you said your group likes. And it is a retelling of Jane Eyre if Jane Eyre were a serial killer. (laughs) And I think that the first part of that statement will appeal to the mid-70s members of your group, and the last part will appeal (laughs) to the teenagers. The whole thing appealed to me, so here we go. (laughs) I loved it so much. So Jane Steele is the main character of this book, who in the book is reading Jane Eyre. It's very meta. And Jane Steele is an orphan who is being raised by her aunt, similarly to Jane Eyre. Oh, and there's trigger warnings for sexual assault uh, in the book. She's being raised by her aunt who is terrible. Her aunt sends her to a boarding school. You know, I'm sure all of this sounds very familiar. She befriends a very nice girl who, who dies tragically at the boarding school. And that's kind of where the similarities between Jane Steele and Jane Eyre end, where Jane Eyre gets very angsty and in her feelings about it, Jane Steele just starts killing people like... And it is satisfying, let me tell you, because, and this is the genius of this book, right? It's like, I am not here for vigilanteism. That is not, it's not a thing I'm into. But, but everybody Jane Steele murders, you're like, yeah, I get it. You know, (laughs) like, yeah, this is, she didn't, I mean, the cop police were not, didn't exist, you know, in early 1800s UK, and she has nowhere to go for help. Um, and so she spends some time navigating like London's criminal underbelly and all of this. And then her, her aunt dies. And there is a new person in charge of Highgate House. His name is Mr. Thornfield. And he needs to hire a governess. So Jane hides her identity, goes to Highgate, which was her aunt's house, to work as a governess for Mr. Thornfield so that she can find out like if he's stolen this house from her. Like did her aunt leave her this estate uh, in reality? Like is she the rightful heir? Uh, and while she's there, um, trying to figure that out, her and Mr. Thornfield develop romantic interest in each other. But of course, you know, she's a serial killer. So like, how much of myself can I reveal to this person? But it's not serial killing. And it's not, she's not Dexter, right? Like she's not out here mm. with this deep need to do harm to people. She's not a sociopath. She just is cornered a lot <laughs> and has, and that's her, her reaction is to, be violent in response to being cornered. And it's not just being emotionally cornered. Like she is physically cornered more than once in the book. And she responds by like stabbing you (laughs) instead of crying or running or, you know, whatever. So it's not, it's a, when I say she's a serial killer, she is, she's killed more than one person in the book, but it's also like, not what I think we think of when we hear that term. So there's a lot to unpack here um, because it is comic. Like it's it's not a satire, but it is a gothic retelling. She's a, she's a smart aleck. Um, so there's a lot of really funny moments. Again, you're kind of like, well, that was justified, you know, when you turn the page after she kills a guy who tries to assault her because it's not like she can call the police because there aren't police, you know, so like there's a lot of conversation fodder. And it's about a topic that, I mean, you don't mention the gender of your book club, but book clubs are almost always women, right? So I feel like this kind of topic will have a lot of conversation fodder for any member of a book club, no matter their age. So yeah, so that's Jane Steele by Lindsay Fay, And we are going to take a break for our next
2: sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Disney Books. Do y'all like Caribbean mythology? What's more, a thriller inspired by Caribbean mythology? If you do, I got something for you. A must read thriller that draws from the darkest corners of Caribbean mythology from acclaimed author, Sarah Das, who crafts a chilling tale of magic, murder, and how far we'll go to protect what's ours. It's perfect for fans of Angeline Bully and Tiffany D. Jackson. So unlike other people on the small island of St. Virgil, Selena da Silva does not believe in magic. She has a logical mind, she likes botany, she wants to study pharmacology, but then her mother gets sick and she's tethered to the island and she has to make money. So what does she do? She cons a couple gullible tourists with these useless talismans and phony protection rituals but then one of the tourists ends up dead and at the center of a strange string of murders and the truth selena has been denying can no longer be avoided there is evil lurking in the forest that surround saint virgil and to find out what that evil is make sure to pick up it waits in the forest by sarah das and thanks again to disney books for sponsoring this episode (laughs) that he will have seven great loves in his life and then he meets arena in 95 and she's like the best she's brilliant charismatic quick-witted funny they fall in love All right.
1: Next question is from Michael, who says, I could use a good recommendation for an adventure slash history series that I can listen to on my commute to and from work. In my head, I'm thinking of an Uncharted-like series. Super high-quality, masterful prose, and themes and motifs at the wazoo are not necessary for this. <laughs> I have read all the Dan Brown books. I'm so far loving Steve Barry's Cotton Malone series. I haven't started James Rowland's Sigma Force or Preston Child's Pendergast series, but those are on my TBR. And I wasn't a big fan of Clive Cussler's Dirk Pitt, but I love the concept. I was wondering if you folks would have any good series recommendations along those lines that may have flown under my radar. It's a plus if the series has a good audiobook narrator, and it's a plus plus if the series is an ongoing franchise. Yes, we can help with this. I picked the Jaya Jones series by Gigi Pandian, which are all on audio, and there are a whole bunch of them. (laughs) The first one is called Artifact, and I should say I have not pre-screened the audio for you. I don't absorb audiobooks, so I don't know if you will like the narrator or not, but it's at least worth a try. And it's great. Uh, Jaya Jones is a historian, and she is extremely sassy and (laughs) very independent and uh, very—how do I want to say this? I don't know. She's very interesting. She's sort of, like, whimsical in an interesting way. But anyway, she gets a package uh, in this first book. It contains a jewel-encrusted artifact from India sent to her by an ex— who she believes is dead. She saw, like, she heard, and, like, it was in the papers and everything, that he died in an accident in the Highlands of Scotland. And on the same day that he was, he died, he sent her this package. So she's like, what on earth? And she starts researching it, and then her apartment gets broken into, and people are being very mysterious and weird, and she has to go to London and then to, you know, Scotland and... She ends up working with this guy who's like, maybe suspicious motives, maybe not, like who knows. Uh, there's a lot of twists and turns and really fun, interesting history stuff in here that I really enjoyed. And yeah, Jai is a very entertaining main character. And it's also super refreshing to have a woman of color be like the adventurer in this situation. We don't get. Many of those, you know, like we're lucky if we get a Lara Croft, uh, much less a Jaya Jones. So it's a really sort of different twist on it. And I think you might enjoy them quite a bit. So again, that's Artifact, which is the first book in the Jaya Jones Treasure Hunt mystery series by Gigi Pandian.
0: All right. So you're like conspiracy theory historical kind of stuff is what most I had to Google a lot of these series that you mentioned, I hadn't <laughs> heard of some of them. But of course, I know who Dan Brown is and the Pendergast series. And so that's that's what all of these have in common for uh, listeners out there who maybe don't know what the through line is here. So I picked the Templar series by Raymond Cowrie. The first book in the series is called The Last Templar. And there are five so and they're chunky. <laughs> <Chonky. laughs> so plenty for you to get into here. And this is like Dan Brown, 2.0, right? <laughs> so the book opens in the year 1219 and uh, like a, it's a young templar, a knight um who is with an, a group of other knights and they have they're carrying a mysterious chest that has something in it that has, um been entrusted to them at the last minute by their grandmaster who was dying. They scuttle it onto a ship. Not scuttle, that's the wrong word to use in reference to a ship. They sneak it onto a ship and then are never heard from again, right? And then in modern then you jump to modern day New York. In Central Park, the Met is doing this big exhibit called Treasures of the Vatican. It's got a black tie opening. It's all very fancy. There's lots of famous people in attendance. And four horsemen wearing masks, dressed up like Templar knights, come out of Fifth Avenue and storm into the exhibit, attacking anyone with their horses who get in between them and like the thing they're after, which turns out to be a weird device, like a geared device that's part of this exhibit. Uh, they grab it, say some stuff in Latin, and then run out. And it's just like, what? Did we just get attacked by Templars? Like, what is happening? And so Tess Chakin is one of the main characters. She is an archaeologist. She is at this gala because it's part of her job. She watches this happen and is just terrified. And then Sean Riley is the other main character. He is an anti-terrorist specialist in the FBI, who of course gets immediately involved in the case because the FBI is like, this was obviously a bizarre terrorist attack. So Sean and Tess team up to figure out what they were after, like, the th- what the, what is the deal with, like, this thing that they've stolen? Who are they? Are they time travelers? Like, what is going on here? Um, and they have to, like, then they end up, you know, doing this really deep dive into, like, the Crusades and the history of the Knights Templar, and there are murderers. They cross a bunch of different continents. It's just very, you know, big Dan Brown energy. Just a little bit, maybe, I don't know. I love Dan Brown, so I'm not saying anything bad about Dan Brown because those are some engaging books. It's, like, maybe a little elevated dan brown i don't know i'm making a weird i'm making like a weird hand gesture that you can't see (laughs) dan brown for grown-ups i don't know what i'm trying to say it's like smart (laughs) not that brown isn't smart see i just keep qualifying it nothing very (laughs) articulate here so i'm just gonna let it go okay so that's the last templar by raymond cowrie all right Our next question is from Erica who says, I'm looking for a book set in Australia that will give me the same kind of warm fuzzies I got from reading books like The Switch, The Bookish Life of Nina Hill, or watching programs like The Great British Baking Show, Izzy's Koala World, or Nadia's Time to Eat. I am open to any genre. All right, Jen.
1: All right. I, first of all, I feel you on this vibe, like extremely, but I don't have that much uh, Australian fuzzy lit in my repertoire. But I do have a good friend who reads all the time who lives in Australia, Karen. And so I checked in with her about this and she recommended a book that I cannot wait to get my library hold in on. Uh, It's called The Helpline. It's by Catherine Collette. And it is about a young woman named Germaine, who is not good with people, She is good at numbers, but she is having trouble finding jobs for senior mathematicians. And so instead, she ends up getting a job through her cousin on the senior citizen's helpline, which is like not extremely what she wants to do at all. But there is a secret project involving troublemakers at the Senior Citizen Center. They have a feud with the golf club. Like, there's all of this small-town drama, and it just sounds so fun. And Karen said it had extremely the vibe that you are looking for. And, like, I love me like a small-town, like, senior citizen troublemakers in a feud with the golf club. Like, I absolutely (laughs) want to hear more about that, especially if you have a curmudgeonly narrator, which it sounds like Jermaine is. So again, that is the helpline by Katherine Collette.
0: Alright, I picked a children, like a middle grade fantasy that's super, super fun. It's called The Grandest Bookshop in the World by Amelia Malore. And it takes place in 1893 in Melbourne at Cole's Book Arcade, which is like a bookstore. Meets sweet shop, meets aquarium, meets a lot of a lot of different things, and is based on a real place that existed in Melbourne and based on a real family that owned it and ran it. The difference is the magic, right? Like that literal magic. I don't think that was happening, but maybe it was. who knows? So Pearl and Valley are the kids in this book, and they find out that their dad, who they call Pa, has made a deal with. A very devilish figure because their sister Ruby has recently died of, I think it was scarlet fever. And he has made a deal that he will give up the bookstore to this devilish figure, whose name I think is Magnus in the book, um, in exchange for having his daughter brought back to him. And so what they don't realize is that their father's like life force, he's like magically linked to this bookstore. And so as the store becomes more and more linked to this other guy who he made the deal with, their father starts to fade away. So, Pearl and Valley kind of take thing, uh, you know, take the situation into their own hands. They make their own deal with this, with Magnus, that he will leave the bookstore and their father alone if they can solve seven puzzles by midnight, and they can't get any of them wrong, and they can't uh, be, you know, one second past the deadline. They have to solve all of them, and so that is the game that they play throughout the book, and it's in this very like magical penumbra kind of style bookstore that all of this takes place so that is the grandest bookshop in the world by amelia malor
1: that sounds adorable All right, let's see. Uh, We have our last question is from Fangirl, who says, I know I'm extremely late to the game, but I finally got around to watching the TV series Survivor, and I'm absolutely infatuated with it all. I've been wondering if there is a book version of this. I think what I love about it so much is the character development, leading you to root for or disdain players, and the interpersonal and social complexities. I like seeing how people's minds work. I like the full spectrum rainbow of all the emotions that come out every now and then there's a love interest but without fail there is deception risk-taking strategy desperation celebration and defeat it's amazing the surviving off the land part is cool too let me just say fangirl (laughs) that i have literally watched at least one episode of survivor every day since the pandemic started it is our pandemic show, and we are still diving into back seasons because there are a bajillion seasons of Survivor, and it is extremely good for distraction. So I feel you on this one. This is also, it is really, I did not find it easy to find a book that has all of these elements in it. It's a little tricky, but I feel good about my pick for you. So I, I'm just going to keep going. I picked The South Pole Station by Ashley Shelby. And I picked this because it is an isolated group of people under some duress, and there are really complicated interpersonal things at play here. So it takes place, as you might guess, from the title at South Pole Station, which is a station in the South Pole. And, you know, it's mostly manned by scientists, but they also have artist programs. And our main character, Cooper, has, you know, managed to, like, get clearance. Um, She's answered the questionnaire correctly and has qualified to, you know, go down to the South Pole Station and be there for a certain amount of time, I can't remember how long, uh, for this artist and writers program. And so she meets, you know, all of these extremely interesting characters, uh, much like how on Survivor they always cast for these characters. So, you know, there's a cook and who's like got this really intense attitude. There is an astrophysicist who she gets involved with. There's a station manager who's like constantly trying to keep tabs on everybody. And then And our villain for this season is a scientist who is trying to prove that climate change is a hoax by accessing the data that the climate like scientists are working with. And so, of course, everybody hates him because, you know obviously. Um, and it throws this really intense wrench into the social dynamics because everybody's in such close quarters and under such strain because, you know, it's freezing out. There are perils uh, and, and those perils are, you know, enumerated in the book. So it's kind of like a dark comedy in a way, but it's a really interesting book. And it's very much all about these weird interpersonal dynamics and in this extremely isolated location. And I think that it will give you a lot of those Survivor feels. So my only quibble with this as a Survivor comp is that you only get one, you only get Cooper's perspective. You don't get POV for the other characters. So it's kind of like Survivor if you were only ever following one person, which is a little bit less satisfying. But I still think this gets close. So again, that's South Pole Station by Ashley Shelby. Do I need to watch Survivor? Uh, Amanda, I don't—I, I like, kind of want you to, and I kind of don't. I will say—okay, let me just, like, rewind for a moment. There are s- some super
0: problematic things
1: about Survivor.
0: Oh, sure. Look, I've watched The Biggest Loser. Like, I have no... Well, <laughs> yeah, It likes to stand right. on here.
1: But, like, I just want to acknowledge it on the air. Like, cultural yeah. appropriation is a huge problem. Racism, like, systemic racism in the show, casting and the way they treat their contestants is a problem. Mm. Like, you know, misogyny is a problem. Like, there's all kinds of problems with Survivor. That all being said, yeah, if you just want to disappear into your TV for hours of time, mm. it absolutely will give you that.
0: When do I not want that? I know. <laughs> so here we are. Interesting. Okay,
1: Jen's Soapbox About Survivor.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. I picked Beauty Queens by Libba Bray, which is a very dark satire roasting of both beauty pageants and Survivor. (laughs) And uh, I said it was YA, right? Yeah, it's YA. So in this world, Miss Teen Dream is a pageant that is happening about to happen there are 50 contestants and the pageant has been moved to take place on an island like they're going to do it on a beach it's going to be super fun except they get on the airplane and the airplane crashes on a deserted island um leaving very few survivors and almost no food almost no water And like their makeup supply, you know, know, like their pageant supplies. And so these teenagers have to fend for themselves. And it's just a bunch of beauty queens stuck on an island together. It's so dark. Look, it is so dark. Like when they're trying to pick a leader, Miss Texas gives a speech about how good of a shot she is and if you know if you value american values on this deserted island you will elect. to it's just so strange and and weird and but dealing with really big issues like there's a lot of racial um topics that liba is exploring here of course different aspects of feminism what would happen if you dropped a bunch of teenage girls who have been taught that their value is only in their appearance and their thinness on an island with no food like there's a scene when they realize that you know they don't have any food and they panic for about three seconds before they realize that they're going to be really thin when they get rescued like in time for the show which they assume is going to happen right it's like oh god it's just mind-blowing and i think you know i've not seen survivor i've seen like an episode of survivor i have not watched all of survivor by any means but the little bit of it that I've seen has come in that some of that satirical flip. like I feel like the contestants on Survivor know what are, oh, have yeah. some self awareness right mm-hmm. like they they know what's what's happening here. There's no self awareness here except from the author, which is such a weird, which I guess is all satire is right. <laughs> like when right. when the characters are playing the bit and the author is like wink wink nudge nudge. But Libba is like also very on these girls' sides. She's always on the girls' side. Um, it's just a fascinating, cringy, bizarre survival book so that's beauty queens by liba bray and that is our show woohoo yay yay <laughs> thank you so much to our audio editor jen Zink, and thank you all for listening if you would like more recommendations for things to read you can have those we have many uh, on bookriot.com you can find all of our other podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen um please leave us a rating and a review on apple podcast it makes the show easier for other people to find Thank you to our sponsors. You can find us on social media. I'm on Instagram at I'm Amanda Nelson, mostly posting pictures of my dog. Jen, where are you?
1: <laughs> The best. Uh, I'm also mostly on Instagram at I am Jen IRL. That's I-A-M-J-E-N-N-I-R-L. And we will talk to you all next week.